Hello, everyone. Oh my God, that is so bright. I literally have the heat lamp in front of me because I'm freezing. So that orange glow is not a ring light or any fancy lighting of any kind. I am freezing. So how is everyone? <clears throat> I hope everyone is doing well. I wanna kick off today with a little bit of unbracing. I like that tradition. So I think it's good in the theme of adrenal support and stress management. If you guys remember last week, we did the part one, which was the physical side of things, you know, and then this week we're going to focus on the mindset side of things. So let's get started and let's unbrace. Those of you who are new, if this is the first time seeing it, this is a physical way to be able to reduce your, your stress throughout the day. And it, I swear to God, it feels like when you're getting up off a massage table, it's perfect. So first step, I am not wearing a bra by any means and I don't care. So let me some jiggling. It is what it is, all right? So everyone's like, huh? um, but shake out your hands like you just wash them and you don't have a freaking towel, right? Then you're going to relax your shoulders away from your ears as much as possible. So just let them stretch downwards. Then you're going to Rotate your shoulders around. If you remember, I got it looks so weird from this angle. I'm like, hey, uh, but <laughs> rotate them around like we used to do in gym class. Then you do the same with your neck. Oh my God, holy text neck. The best is when you guys can hear my neck crack when I do it on the phone with you. Um, it's like a party trick. So then you're going to do the face stretches. All right, first one. You're gonna look super surprised, really work that Botox. So stretch your eyebrows up as much as they'll go. Wow, I haven't gotten in a while, still kicking, okay. And then release. Then you're gonna stretch out your smile as much as possible. So, and release, okay. Deep breath. You guys feel looser? Who actually did it with us? Tell me in the chat. If you, if you look like a crazy person along with us, it's my favorite. I do that every time before I get out of bed, every time before I get in bed, during the day, as much as I can remember. It's awesome. So we're gonna talk about, oh, I love that you guys are, are loving the unbracing. Everyone's always so surprised that there's that connection. At least I still am, to be honest. Like I know logically there's a brain body connection, but every time it's like, obvious like that. I'm like, huh, that's really cool. But really, if you are telling your body to relax and that things are going to be okay and you're nice and limbered up, then that connection telling your brain like brace for impact that we don't even realize we do all day long. It's just, it's one less thing that's making our body feel like it needs to be at that edge of just rescuing us, you know, that crisis mode. So hubby was making fun of you, Becky. Oh, well, so right now you're now you're too relaxed to care. You're like whatever. <laughs> so I joined in a little late, but it definitely looked crazy. Oh yeah, embracing is where it's at. I'll do it again at the end. So today we're going to talk about the emotional side of things because stress does affect us. It affects us hormonally. It causes an increase in cortisol. For those of us, I know that we have some people tuning in where cortisol is not your issue. So if we've talked about that, and that is not your issue, disregard that part, Stretch, stress affects you too. But um, for those that are trying to look at the cortisol side of things, we're gonna look at how that really affects us, how that plays out, and then the baby steps that we will usually suggest around it, okay? And it, I like the interaction, so if you have questions, make sure you're adding them in the chat. If you wanna text me privately about this, I always encourage it, okay? So stress increases cortisol and inflammation. So Throughout the body, you know, whether you have PCOS, whether you have Hashimoto's, inflammation is the number one thing that we fight. And I don't know about you guys, but back in the day, I used to think that inflammation meant actually what you see as inflamed. You know, I would think of it only meant as like swelling or just something obvious and, and you know, just angry looking, you know, inf inflamed. But systemic inflammation affects our individual systems and especially our hormones, our thyroid conversion, all of that, how our body repairs itself, 
our lymphatic system, you know, we've talked about this in the past as well on other Zooms, but <clears throat> when we have a higher side, a higher level of inflammation in our body, it also causes more autoimmunes. It makes the, the environment ripe for autoimmunes to set in. And if you're one of my Hashi clients in here, we already got the, the, the king daddy of autoimmunes. All right. You know, it's the one that invites other autoimmunes to the party a lot. Um, I don't know if you guys knew that, but it's a fun little thing. Your one autoimmune usually invites others. It's just kind of like your system decides to attack itself fun times. So we want to reduce inflammation as much as possible. And we do that in the physical sense. You know, we do that in terms of what we're eating. We do that in terms of, you know, what we discussed the last class, but really working on the mindset side of things. Even if you're someone who is pretty, you know, tight-lipped and I don't know that you would relate to my content as much if that was the case and be here necessarily. But let's say you were someone who's like, oh, you know, I don't need mindset. I think there is something to be said about how we don't even realize we go through our day when stress just becomes ingrained in us, that we need to become aware of the things where we may be triggering ourselves, you know, so this will be a good one for newbies and a good one for people who've been around for a while. So let's talk first about what, what for you, where do you feel your stress, your emotional cortisol razor is every day, your, your big stress trigger. If you had to guess the one thing that even if you're working on it and managing it requires the most effort to do so, what would you guys say that is? Tell me in the chat. Work. Mm -hmm. My whole time in this program, it's basically been mindset, majorly important. Mm -hmm. What else? What else is your, your daily stress trigger tie between my father and dealing with insurance slash caseworkers, people needing things for me? Yes. Yeah. You know, and what I see commonly too is if you're used to having people who need things from you all day long, um, and I don't know, Anna, this is, I think we've discussed, this isn't the case for you typically, but tell me if you guys relate, you feel like you stay up later because, and just doing mindless shit, but just relishing in the time where you're not responsible for other people. You just can truly veg. You don't have to think about bills. You don't think about anything. You can watch TV, just veg. It's like, we end up staying up so late doing that, you know, and screwing ourselves over for the next day. A lot of it has to do with that. Just constantly needing to provide in some way it gets exhausting. Let's see. Um, family relationships, work, pregnancy, juggling multiple things at once, being in public around others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just stay up for me time. Absolutely. It's like unselfish time because who the hell else wants it? You know, so parenting while feeling tired, being the one to remember everything for the house. Yeah, the stakes are really high. Absolutely. Um, and, and even if you feel like you, you have support, do you guys ever feel like it still feels like it's all on your shoulders? Like you, you sometimes don't even know why it feels like that, but it, it feels like the intensity of it is just everything can fall apart at any moment. I'm like talking with my phone too, and it keeps undoing everything as I'm doing every time I shake it, it like undoes typing. Yeah, for sure. So I think the important thing is that when we talk about mindset, no one should not feel the way they do. So I want to preface this by saying, especially for my clients who haven't been with me long enough to have me jump in there and correct you. I don't want anyone to feel like the way they've been feeling around this area is weird, too much, too sensitive, you know, like it you guys are all in good company. There is a reason you all related to the same stuff and you all, we all had the same conversations we had, you know, it's because similar. So you're in good company. I just want to preface this. All right. Now I'm going to give you guys some, some topics that have been brought up in other Zooms. If you saw on the uh, announcement on the Facebook page, I'll put this up in the classroom as well. I put Zooms that are going to be referenced or would be good in conjunction with tonight's lesson. So I listed those out. I'll put it in classroom as well. <laughs> Open concept house, Nick makes a cameo. Uh, so first thing is eat the frog. Now eat the frog. Um, those of you who have heard this lesson from me are probably like, how is that emotional? I don't know. You tell me, first of all, if you think about it, how can it be emotional? And for those of you who have no idea what the hell I'm talking about, 
Eat the Frog is a great Zoom to watch. Um, and it's a topic, my business mentor taught it to me. He learned it from somewhere, I don't know. Um, and the concept is that every day, pretend like your day is this hypothetical plate of food that has, it's your favorite foods in the whole world are on there and they are calorie-free, they're carb-free. They don't, you know, like they taste the same. They are exactly it, but it's some voodoo magic where, you know, you eat it and it's nothing. It's like air. And the, the catch, the catch is there's this big nasty frog you got to eat. Why they picked a frog, I don't know, but it's this big frog and you can decide to eat your, eat the frog first and eat the other stuff after, you know, finish up with the stuff you like or vice versa, push it off. Eat the stuff you love first and wait, leave the frog for last, right? We tend to push off, even if it's tiny, even if it's like little minute tasks, we tend to push off. We, it doesn't, you don't need to have a rhyme or reason about why it makes you anxious, but it gets pushed off until it becomes this whole big thing on its own. Who has had that before? Where something that could theoretically take five minutes to do, you can sit and it'll be on your mind. It'll be on your mind longer than the five minutes that it'll take to do. That's your frog. The idea is to eat the frog first, to get it out of the way, because then you can enjoy what's left on your plate rather than every time you're, every bite you're taking, enjoying all that food, you're sitting there remembering, I gotta eat that frog. I'm gonna have to eat that frog. So conceptually, when we're thinking about it this way, you want to think about what that is for you and get it out of the way the fastest. Why? Now, this is where I get to nerd out a little bit about the hormones. So we are our serotonin, our happiness hormone, and our cortisol, I mean, our serotonin, our dopamine are connected. And cortisol, heightened cortisol, lower serotonin. So Remember in the, the carb zoom, I talked about if you're seeking, if you're having a lot of cravings for carbs, especially sweet carbs, it's your body's way of making you go seek serotonin because we derive it from carbs, especially sugar that's in the carb episode. So I won't, you know, divulge, but you know, they're all connected. So the higher your cortisol, the lower your serotonin, the more your cravings are going to be. But also I mentioned something called dopamine before dopamine is our motivation hormone. It's our reward response. So it's in conjunction with serotonin where when we do things that are quote unquote good for us, we release dopamine. And it's that good feeling that gives us that motivation and that momentum to push us to continue doing something. Have you ever you know, started doing something and like, I don't know, um, cleaning and you feel accomplished. You clean off a tabletop and you look at it and you're like, oh, so nice and organized. And then you just, before you know it, you're doing the drawers too. And you get into like a, clean, a cleaning frenzy, right? You might not have it, have it happen to you again for a year and a half, but every now and again, right? You find yourself like one thing you moved over leads to another dopamine. You got a little hit of dopamine and it made you have momentum. It's why they tell you make your bed first thing in the day, because that leads you to, it gives you a little dopamine hit accomplishing something. And then that creates the momentum that follows through. So when you complete that frog and you get that frog that otherwise, yeah, I feel literally, literally like I'm getting sunburn. It's great and also not great. So sorry, my eyes. <laughs> so, you know, when you, when you get that thing out of the way that you would have been pushing off, I have to show you that. I'm so sorry, this is why I'm distracted, right? That is literally the heat lamp in front of me. I went and got the Harbor Freight heat lamp of all heat lamps. I mean, don't move it too far, Nick. So anyway, when you get out of the thing that would have been taken a life of its own in the past and been at the end of your day, when you are worn out to the limits, you remember, oh, still gotta do this thing. When you get that done in you know, 30 minutes into your day, you feel like, hot damn, I can do everything. Like I, you know, that little dopamine hit kicks in and you're like, what else can I get off this list? You know, I'm, I'm having a great day. So that's important. I want you to try and eat the frog. That, that, that'll be a baby step that we do with someone if we feel like they are the types that wake up and they're off to the races. There is no time to collect themselves. They're tending, they're typically forget breakfast, typically get to work, like just barely being late, you know, and it's like a frenzy from the jump. I will tell them, I need you to take five minutes and list out 
your appointments for the day, like your hard line, like I am due at this place at this time. I got to get my kid from school at this time, like the absolute mandatories. Then write the things that you must complete before the end of the day, like to avoid major consequences. Not you would like to finish it by the end of the day, but major, like you'll lose your job or your house will burn down or like something crazy. Like I got to do this. That's your must do list. And then you have your like to do list where, I mean, I just put like one usually where if let's say you, don't knock my computer over. Let's say you um, get everything done on your must do list and shit, you want to get something else done. Great. If not, it can get pushed off to the next day. Okay. So we got three lists here and our lovely planner, by the way, which CCA gets 10, 10 bucks off KGG. It's free. It lists this out. So you have your three lists. You have your appointments. You have your must do. You have your like to do. The goal is you look at your list of must do and you find your frog. And if you're looking at it and you're, and you're putting big things down, like I have to complete this report, let's say, you hate that report. It's the one report every week that drives you bonkers, right? Right, break that down even more. What is it about doing the report? Because maybe you have to gather information first. Maybe you have to contact somebody. Maybe it's like one part of that process that you dread and that's your frog actually. You know, So really write it down on your must-do list. Think about it. Now, this might sound like who the hell has time to do that if they're frenzied running around like crazy? I don't care. <laughs> we all got time. Why? Because the five minutes you spend mapping your day out and getting having like a powwow with yourself and feeling certain about what you're doing. Um, did it break? I'm so sorry. There is nowhere else to do this in my home. Um, but the more you do this in the morning, right, the more time you're going to save throughout the rest of the day. So all the time that you would spend saying to yourself like, crap, what was I doing? What do I gotta do? I feel like I'm forgetting something. The most anxiety inducing comments ever, right? Instead of doing that and spending all the time, you have something to reference. You have something right in front of you. It's like, what do I have to do? Oh, that. And if things come in throughout the day, you can add to that this list. It's not set in stone. You can adjust what it is that you tackle next, you know? But taking those few minutes in the morning, I tell, when I tell you, it makes such a big difference in your cortisol because, or your stress, because you don't have to hold on to it right here. So you don't forget while you have everything else going on around you, that would be hard for anybody or harder, I should say, you know, and what's the problem with making it easier? Questions on eat the frog so far, because I know there's a lot I want to give you guys here. And I want you to go to the other Zooms for the more in-depth. I don't want to spend too, too much time on everything. I want to condense it. But I want to make sure, you know, what do you, what do you think? Do you do it already? Is it good to have this reminder? Are you like, what the hell are you talking about? Tell me in the chat. Eat the frog is definitely my favorite thing. Hard at times, but favorite thing now. Yeah, maybe we you just jot some chicken scratch down, right? Like, you know, you have it in your calendar, you have all your appointments and stuff in there, but there is something about taking the couple minutes to just center and jot it down. That just, it's a relief. All right, next thing. This one's a, a real throwback for you guys who have been with me for a while. Oh, wait, wait, I have comments, okay. I love this, definitely. I'm a big list maker, but will sometimes let myself get distracted or stressed and procrastinate the most stressful ones. Yeah, absolutely. And I used to I used to love big to-do lists and I would keep a, a just a revolving to-do list. Um, my biggest advice for that is look at it in terms of ideas for what's gonna go on your must-do or like to-do list. You know, think of it as like a bank for that, like a word bank. Um, because if we think about it as a list we have to complete rather than an ongoing place to organize our thoughts, it's like we're treating it like there's a bottom of the pile, right? There's never an end to the work that comes our way or the things we got to do. It's, it's ongoing. So if we treat it like there's a bottom of the pile, we're always going to feel behind. But if we treat it like we take from that big list and assign it as we see fit, we're still getting stuff done but we don't feel like it's like the never ending battle. It's just a different kind of perspective shift. Um, but I, cause I'm a big list maker too. And I can definitely make myself feel 
pressured to get through those lists or to not start a new one or, you know, and then it just becomes its own anxiety beast. See, sometimes my eat the frog was to just take a shower, that simple. Absolutely, absolutely. It is whatever it is that is a challenge or difficult to you that stops you. Eat the frog, ooh, yeah, ETF, I love it. <laughs> Eat the frog works well on good days for me. When it's a tougher day, I usually need the motivation of something non-frog to get the engine going. I love that. I remember we discussed that, I love it. Otherwise, the idea of eat the frog will keep me in bed. Yes. Some days, and I experienced this as well, like some days when it's a matter of, like you wake up and everything just feels so intense that it's like, you, you don't have the motivation to go ahead and eat the frog even, you know, where those days you kind of need to like enrich yourself. You know, your frog, so to speak, is doing something for yourself that you enjoy. Like just, it could be simple. It could be reading something on a subject that is just fun bullshit stuff. <laughs> you know, it could be massaging your legs, you know, if they're tight and crampy from the night, it could be whatever it is, but it has to be something even slightly enjoyable to motivate you to go on. I, I get the same way. You have to fill up your cup. So love that. Um, that's a big one. Self-care in general, that could be a whole other topic. But this is a, a big one, a throwback. Who remembers this? Thermostat thermometer. So in a room, what does a thermometer do? It checks the temperature of the room, right? It goes up and it goes down based on the environment. A thermostat sets the temperature of the room and adjust things accordingly to be able to maintain its balance, whatever you set it at. So as cheesy analogy as that is, I love it. And, you know, it's so important. It's how, do, how can you be the thermostat in a situation? You know, it, it helps you start to set up boundaries for yourself and with other people. It helps you start to see what serves you versus what doesn't. Is there a source in your life you can't be the thermostat around? And if that's the case, it helps you reevaluate, you know, is it worth me trying to learn how to be the thermostat in that situation? But being able to maintain that internal thermostat, thermostat, that internal thermostat throughout the, throughout the day makes it so that you are in control of your day. Not so that, you know, Betsy that you share a cubicle with is in there bitching about everything. You know, my God, she's like, complaining about how she feels someone offers her advice she's arguing that she's talking about her toe fungus there's like you know and by the time you're done you're like you feel it like you feel like betsy you're like you know stank don't be like betsy you got to be your own thermostat right like you got to turn it off and how you do that there's a lot of little tips and tricks that's another zoom of course um but making it a goal is the first step so the first step is to acknowledge what makes my temperature go up? What is it that I have to be a thermostat around? And what is it that that might entail me, you know, thinking about or doing to accommodate that? Because if not, again, you're just waking up and hoping that today's the day you can stay at an even temperature. And, and then it's a crapshoot. Thoughts on that? I just love a good analogy. It, may, it just makes it like, I don't know, it sticks different. Maybe it's just my neurodivergent brain that needs an image to go with everything that I, I have to visualize everything that it is that I understand. <laughs> but I love an analogy. Thermostat thermometer. Those of you who are watching, tell me in the chat, what are your thoughts on it? Or here's a good question. Who feel, why, why do you find it hard to maintain your temperature the most? Like what, what situation are, is it the absolute hardest? to remain the thermostat in for you. I feel like I'm gonna have to ugly sneeze in a minute and it's gonna happen in the middle of a sentence. You know, and it's like right here, but it's not quite like you can't look at a light and make it happen yet. Ugh. Stop saying bless you, jinx. Um, thermostat saves me every day at my job. I love it when someone is yelling at me. Mm -hmm. My favorite, remember mouth sounds. 
we decide the meaning behind words. Otherwise, it's just sounds someone's making, it's mouth sounds. So if someone, especially my clients in here who are in customer service jobs, where sometimes you become the punching bag, you know, as sometimes you just gotta just remember mouth sounds. This person is just making sounds with their mouths, you know, and like, obviously you wanna listen to the person who's you know, complaining or whatever, but I'm saying if you're just w- dealing with someone who's working out their own shit on you and you literally have to, for the sake of your job, continue listening, but they're just going off, mouth sounds. <laughs> How I deal with certain narcissistic people in my life who I cannot quite just deal away with, do away with, you know? How many times I'm just like, mouth sounds, it doesn't even matter. <laughs> I take on everyone's stress and bad moods when things don't go as planned or I imagined in my head. Yes, that's a huge one. Having to prove myself in a field of men. Mm-hmm. When people decide that they know how to do my job better than I can. Yeah. Do you guys like feel heated? Like even just saying it, like thinking about it, you're like, these mother, you know? So, um, but yeah, absolutely. And then the thing, the thing you want to do is once you pinpoint what it is that makes your thermostat like more challenging to maintain during those times is to think of why, to think of why, to think of where it starts, use it journal for yourself around it. You were not used to thinking of these little things as something we should dive in deeper on, but it is so important because especially for us who have hormone imbalances, who are fighting inflammation, our bodies are that sensitive. It's not a bad thing. We just need to learn how to work with it. And that involves sometimes kind of managing the people around us and how their energies and inputs and stupidity, a lot of times their stupidity rubs off on us. The only thing we can do in a lot of situations is manage the effect that it has on us. So. It's just a jumping off point, you know, and I don't expect anyone to hear this and be like, oh, thermostat thermometer, I can, I can tolerate everyone, you know, but just let it plant the seed where it's like, okay, this is worth it because stress is, you know, you could be out eating hot fudge Sundays all day, or you could be stressed all day. I would rather have the hot fudge Sundays, to be honest, than deal with the effects of being stressed all day. It's not even fun. Like, you know, <laughs> so keep that in mind. It is that important to manage the stuff. As always, text us more in depth with your specific situation for more specific, you know, input. Plan of mediocrity. So this one is not quite as, you know, throwback as the others, as the other two. Uh, The other two are real, like, core fundamentals. But plan of mediocrity has quickly become one of the more popular things that we teach. It's my favorite. And to be honest, it's never been something that's all that official. The way I stumbled across it is, I had to get really invasive neck surgery um, a few years ago. Those of you who don't know my story, I had, you see my, oh, it's kind of blending in nicely. I don't even know where the hell it is anymore. <laughs> um, but I had to have a, a disc replaced in my neck because I had, for some reason, I guess my other issues, a major blowout, a huge blowout. Um, and I it was like, ama- my doctors were amazed. I wasn't paralyzed. They had no idea. Like they almost didn't let me leave the radiology center when I had the imaging done, like the texts. They were like, we got to get you cleared from a doctor first. It's like first for me, you know, all this shit. So I was so hard on myself because not only was I dealing with the next surgery I just had and recovering from that, but I did not expect that afterwards I became agoraphobic. I stayed in my house. It was like six months. I didn't go anywhere. I didn't leave my house for six months. I used the right phobia, right? That's the correct term. I don't know why it's like one of those things I always screw up, but I was like afraid of leaving my house, basically afraid of not even necessarily people settings that weren't my home. I don't know if that makes sense to anyone. You know, there's no specific fear. It was not like I thought I was going to get jumped when I walked out my door, you know, like I just, it was this like, agonizing feeling of discomfort, you know? And for me, a lot of that was harder to recover from than the physical side of it. Like I've been chronically ill my whole life pain. Like I'm pretty used to that, you know, like I could deal with that, but being afraid where I would, you know, throw up if I wanted to go for my keys, I was afraid to drive anymore. You know, I did not expect the trauma that came with neck surgery. So from this, now I had been, you know, trying to learn about my hormones, manage, you know, I, I, had put a lot of stuff in place already. I wasn't at the very beginning of my journey with this stuff, but it really threw me for a loop. And what really helped was I said, okay, you literally had neck surgery. 
You need to stop asking yourself to do the things that you would have done prior to having neck surgery. It's not the end of the world. What really is your bare minimum? Like, like I, I wanted to stop having something to feel bad about, you know? And I wanted to start thinking of it like, why am I feeling so bad? Is it because I'm not accomplishing certain things? Okay, what are those things? What's the damn rush? And coming up with, with that was, okay, well, I'm gonna have, I decide I'm gonna have good days, I'm gonna have bad days. I knew this to be true. I was pursuing a diagnosis for my crazy ass, you know, connective tissue stuff. And, you know, I was like, whatever the diagnosis is, whatever I find out, because it's not normal to have your friggin' neck blow out out of nowhere. You know, my doctor said I had the bones of an 80 year old when he was like operating on me. He's like, I was afraid to break them, you know, weird. So I was like, whatever the diagnosis is going to be is what it is. I'm going to have good days. I'm going to have bad days. So on my bad days, I need to think about what is going to be my baseline. This is what I need to do to take care of business for myself just to get through the day. That plan of mediocrity, that concept has gotten me through so many random flares. It's not my only auto, my only issue. Like I have, I have colitis. My colitis is pretty much managed, right? Like for my specific case, sometimes something throws me off or it's stress, especially activates the hell out of it right away. You know, like it's, it's really bad. So having to be able to, to say to myself and give myself that grace to be like, okay, on these days, because I'm doing so much, just existing, trying to get through this, what do I still got to get done? And I'll still be okay. Now that is broken into two parts as, as zoom lessons. One explains the concept more in depth and far more eloquently than I just did. And then the other one explains how to put it into action, how to actually create a plan of mediocrity for yourself. So I would definitely check those out there. And as all of these Zooms, they're in the classroom as well as on the Facebook page, if you search them. And if you can't find them, ask us to tag you in them, okay? Plan of mediocrity, thoughts on that just as an overall concept before we move on. Has anyone found themselves needing a plan of mediocrity of their own? Okay, I'm not gonna rest my hot tea on the ladder that my computer's on. Sentences you never thought you'd say. Oh, that's so hot. That saves me every week when I get overwhelmed. Yeah, because you know, like anything you do in addition to that is in addition. You got your bases covered. It seems like such a dumb, simple concept, right? But like, I never thought like that. It was like, unless I was always doing, like if my eyes were open, I should have been productive. You know, it was like, how dare you want to be lazy, blah, 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 you know, forever. Why? I feel like it's helped me a lot with my UC. Mm -hmm. I like it. That's a great way to work through tough weeks. Yeah, just covering my bases is my bare minimum. You know, where we, we look at like, I'm just trying, just trying to keep my head above water. I hear that when someone has been dodging talking to us, by the way, it's, it's common. I, if you guys have been through that, where it's like been a three week period, you haven't talked to us. And you know, I've just been trying to keep my head above water, you know, on our first call that we're talking. Um, and what that is, is just plan of mediocrity. If we didn't, why feel bad about it? You've been doing what you gotta do. There is no need to feel bad about it. It all it is, is a different perspective. So oh, we got one more. It keeps me from being overwhelmed with an all or nothing mindset that I've mentioned I struggle with a lot. Absolutely. We're all overachievers. So last one, stop, drop, and roll. That is a whole emotional thing on its own. And there's a whole Zoom dedicated to that, right? Stop, drop, and roll is the concept my somatic therapist taught me about not allowing myself to feel like big thoughts, scary thoughts, whatever, were inconvenient enough for me to just kind of like, I, I shouldn't be thinking about that right now. Like I got other shit going on, I'm okay. That, that, that's fine, I'm fine. That's not a thing, I'm not gonna worry about that. Even though I was still worrying about it, didn't really do its job and I was still worried. I was just now trying to multitask doing whatever I was doing with also being worried and trying to avoid it. So, that is a whole exercise in on itself. That is a whole thing. I want you to watch the Zoom because I will not do it justice rushing through it now, but I want you to realize, like it goes along with this phrase and it's my 
favorite one. What we resist persists and what persists expands. What does that mean to you guys? To round out our topics for tonight, what does that mean to you guys? What we resist persists, what persists expands. Ah, it's still just as hot. Why did I do that? Oh, oh my God. I don't know why I don't have a tongue like a coach bag yet. I swear to God, I drink things way too hot all the time. Let's see. Taking something small and blowing it out of proportion. Yeah. Or taking something small and letting it develop a life of its own, right? letting it become something that could have been a topic that was discussed at one point, a solution at one point, something kind of like the frog, like a five minute fix, right? But because we keep pushing it off, we keep pushing off, we keep pushing it off, it starts to create its own, like a life of its own. And then it becomes a lot bigger than the topic originally because we're running away from it. We can't avoid something, but it won't go away and it will eventually get worse. Mm -hmm. It'll come out and boil over when the hell it wants to boil over versus choosing when to process something versus allowing not processing that thing to dictate your behavior, your feelings, whatever in the future, because then it's the opposite. We think we have it under control because we're not dealing with big emotions, but really the big emotions are running away with us and our hormones are going with it. So, I mean, this is not meant, any of this is not meant to be like easy. <laughs> These are really nuanced topics that I want to dive in deeper, but I at least wanted this to be a, a little hub of the main video, the main lessons that we recommend. So last, last thing. Be gentle with you, with yourself, not because you can't handle the alternative but because there's no friggin' reason not to be. You, do you like to make lives of your loved ones like easier just because like you love them and like you wouldn't want to necessarily make their lives harder, right? Give yourself the same courtesy. If you, if you see your significant other or your parent or your sibling or your best friend or somebody doing something that makes their life harder for no reason, you're gonna be like, what are you doing? right? If you know the easier way to do it, do it for yourself. Then be gentle with yourself. There is no need going hard, being aggressive with yourself, being so hypervigilant with yourself, beating yourself up to, to, you know, not stop and really be able to focus on what you're battling. It doesn't, it, there's no nobility in that. It doesn't make anything better for anyone or you. So I'm going to, um, in the in the comments of the um, recording of this, I'm gonna put up some of the most, the more common baby steps that we, that we assign with this topic. Um, and they, you're gonna be amazed at how simple they are. Some of them is just simply take a five minute break to get a sip, take a sip of water, maybe go take a phantom pee if you can, you know, or you don't even have to pee, you just go sit there and collect yourself. You know, maybe you just get up and stretch your legs. Crack your knuckles, whatever. It doesn't have to be a lot, but taking five minutes to take a break every day. Um, routines, like, you know, set a timer on your TV so it doesn't keep running and you keep watching TV. Little things like that. Um, these, well, that's more of a physical. I'll list them out. But there is a whole slew of easy baby steps that have big impact around this. And the number one thing you see improve first is emotionally how you feel, which I don't think anybody is pissed if they feel better emotionally, right? So, all right, let me call our girl Beth up here for our client spotlight. All I'm right. here. Hello. Hello. I'm so, I know, I feel like I haven't talked to you in forever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so excited to have you on here. Um, I know from the start, you've been someone who's like, you're hungry for the steps on how to do something. And then you're also like, hey, this is what I need help with more, or this is what I noticed and offering that feedback. So I was really excited to just kind of, you know, ask you our basic questions and see where, where you're at. And yeah. All righty. 
crazy a little bit. So tell us about how you were mentally and physically when we started. Um, so when we started, I was like a year and a half, maybe two years, um, after my Hashimoto's diagnosis, um, I had finally gotten a doctor, like when I finally got diagnosed, I had finally switched like my primary care, um, who on our first visit, like felt my neck and was like, dude, has anybody ever tested your thyroid? And I said, yeah, I said, they told me I just had a thick neck. And she was like, no, we're sending you for an ultrasound. So she was, um, she's super awesome. She tried to send me to an endocrinologist, um, who said I wasn't, I was dealing with things I'm doing like air quotes, like it wasn't bad enough yet to like, wouldn't accept me as a, as a patient. Um, then I found, I my love super that. Awesome- we got to let yeah. you get sicker first. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not bad. Like your TSH is 27, but no, it's fine. It's totally fine. It's supposed to be like one, but that, you know, it's fine. 27 is fine. Um, then I found my super awesome, like functional doctor who's amazing, but he's a man and he's never had to deal with Hashimoto's. He's never had to deal with PCOS and he can, he knows like the medical side of things like, he helped me with like my medical management portion and he like gave like he's really good about not like like weight shaming or anything but like he he doesn't know it yeah so um I had been following you for a while um on Instagram and I finally got got the balls to to put (laughs) in my my application And at that point, like I, my mindset, I was like, I'm doing at that point, I was like, you know, walking for an hour in the morning. I was like working out like CrossFit type stuff for an hour in the afternoon. I felt like I was, you know, like watching everything that I was like, I was eating, but the weight and the hormone rages and I was exhausted and I was like that that's it. I've done it all these other different ways. And Michelle looks like she knows what she's talking about it. So looks like she knows what she's talking about. So here I am. Well, I just, I can't even, I, I, in the comments, um, Chelsea, you, you have like such a great visual for that. You know, could you imagine if firefighters said stuff like that to people, just wait until your house burns down. Right. It's so annoying. I hear it all. I hear it from other people all the time, you know, all the time. Not that I wish type one on type one diabetes on anybody, but I will say like, at least that I feel like that's what prompted my doctors to take my labs more seriously was just because I already had this like big predisposition to it. But I can't imagine like my mom had the diagnosis process that I hear from most of my clients where it was this ongoing, like 30 year battle. Like why? Mm -hmm. It's just ridiculous. You know, um, how is this up for interpretation? You know? Right. Um, I mean, that's why it was so good with my functional doctor. Like he also like my daughter, her, um, her blood work for like her normal, like physical came back kind of wonky. And the pediatric endocrinologist was like, well, it's not bad enough yet. Let's check her again in a year. And my functional doctor was like, nope, if you have Hashimoto's and I'm looking at her blood work, she's like, it is passed down from your mother. He's like, she's got it. Why are we going to wait for her to like her thyroid to completely burn out? Let's start her now. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's just because they don't know how to not, they don't know like if it, and it's like, I don't mean to say that like, Oh, doctors don't know. I just mean that there's Mm. not it's impossible. It's impossible to dive in with people to the extreme that you want. I mean, look at all the little baby steps we do. Look at all the stress management right. we do, you know, unless there is like an open dialogue about how much different facets affect things. It's usually meds, diet, exercise, you know, like the fun, the mm-hmm. fundamentals of things, but that's not where everybody kind of lives, you know? Um, right. So I'm so sorry that you dealt with that. 
Um, I see here from Rachel, my endocrinologist told me I didn't need my thyroid to be fully functioning and I needed to lose 70%, 75% of function before he would prescribe me anything. Why oh do they pay out of pocket for it? Like, do they front the money for the tests and the meds? Like, I don't understand. I don't, I don't understand. Doctors are like gatekeep thyroid treatment so much. And it's yeah, so weird. Seriously, It's like bizarre, you know? Um, it's not like if you take, you know, like, oh, if you take a little bit like a lowest dose thyroid and you're on the cusp of something that like, you're going to drop dead, like it's going right. to be too much for you. And it, you know, it's like, so I don't understand, like if it has the possibility to help somebody feel a lot better and live a better life, like you're not like making it for free in your basement, you know, I right. don't understand, but I have my theory. It's because, <laughs> you know, as far as I see, it's like a majority of women who have thyroid issues. So of course, you know stop being hysterical and just, you know, lose weight and exercise and your thyroid will be fine. Just uh, my oh, theory. Yeah. Stigma driven for sure. But I will say, while I don't take the stance of like, well, think about, think about the men, you know, it's not usually my common stance there. Um, I will say though, the Hashimoto's goes undiagnosed a lot in, in men because weight gain isn't noticed as much. Mm. I wonder, I wonder why social, yeah. you know, um, depression, well, you know, thyroid depression is a whole other kind of depression. And we mm -hmm. all know, and don't really talk about depression, you know, as much. Right. So it, it's, it's like, it definitely hits different. Um, actually have, I have a male cousin who has Hashimoto's and, and it was, everyone was like, Oh, really? That happens. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> but it, it is a lot more prevalent. Um, right. Just by default hormonally. Um, and I think that we, because we get fat shamed and because people assume that you should look and feel and live a certain way and have their own threshold of what's complaining too much and what's not trying hard enough. You know, I think that it's just, how is there a gray area? How? Yep. I don't understand it, but a mystery. Um, what was the biggest shock about CCA you think good or bad? Um, I think like one of the biggest shocks was like when we started, it wasn't like, all right, like out, out of the jump. Okay. Now you're going to eat this and this and this, and you're going to exercise this much a day. I think like one of my first baby steps was have fun with food. My favorite and one. It, mm -hmm. Right. And it wasn't, you know, input everything into my fitness pal and do this and macros and blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't, take these supplements and blah, 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 blah. It was sustainable um, baby steps that built on each other. That is a mindset and a lifestyle change. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until a while that we got into it. Like I knew that the coffee thing was coming. Like I knew it was coming. <laughs> I was you like, said to me on our I... first call, I know you're going to take my coffee. <laughs> yeah. I was like, all right, when, when is it going to be? But even that, like when the time came, like I, I had told you, I think this afternoon, um, like when we started, I was like, all right, you're going to do whatever Michelle tells you to do because you've done this 42 different ways that were your ways and it didn't work. So when the time came with the coffee, I was like, like coffee was like a personality trait for me. I was like, I am not going to be able to do this. And it wasn't even bad. It was mm -hmm. just like, all right, well, now I'm, I'm doing decaf. And it was a couple of days of, of headaches. And then that was it. Yep. There's always usually the, the most surprised that people are people. Okay. If I assign the first baby step as coffee, typically I, <laughs> this client is sitting there thinking, did I really just wait and get excited and sign up and pay? for this chick to tell me to not drink coffee. You know, like, is she just, is she bullshitting me? You know, and then they come back and they're like, listen, I thought this was bullshit. Let me tell you, like, I thought this was just something they say online and that I, you know, I was gonna be annoyed for a week and then I was gonna be right back to coffee because I didn't notice the difference. And three days in, like, I have energy. I feel better. Mm -hmm. I feel like I have, I have less, like I haven't been angry as much, you know, like all these yep. different things. It's like adrenals, yep. Yep. Absolutely. Awesome job. Um, yeah. You're like, don't take my coffee. No, I don't. think you were like, I know, I know you're going to take my coffee. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you know, I don't want like whether 
I, I want people to, of course, you know, listen to the advice we give them because it's in your best interest. Like we're not going to suggest something just for, you know, shits and giggles to just like be like, Hey, look at right. this one, try this, you know, like we're, we're, it's genuine. So, but I, I always love when people ask the why, like, okay, why, like, how would that help? Like, I don't find that combative. I love it. And I know mm-hmm. we've had conversations and some of the ones that you've said that you like most is like, um, the ones that just dive in on the behind the scenes of something like the science, mm-hmm. the, the, the hormones behind something, the surprise right. behind something or troubleshooting something as small as like, how do I drink more water? You know, right. um, for you, what changed your perspective the most of all of the baby steps that we did big or small or whatever, what changed your perspective the most? Oh, that's a big, that's a good question. And now I'm like, <laughs> um, well, getting rid of the coffee, like, okay, I can do this. I can get rid of the coffee. I can make these exchanges. Like the fact that it was so, I had it in my head that, okay, nothing else has worked. This probably won't work. Cause it's just me. Like I'm broken in some way. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. because I've done all these other things and they haven't worked and we just made all these little switches that weren't hard and it worked. Like I noticed Mm -hmm. the inflammation going down. I noticed, like I said, uh, two days before my period, being able to put on a pair of jeans that I hadn't, that were washed and dried and I hadn't worn in a while and like not be, and they were comfortable, you know? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, okay. So all these little things add up. Yeah. And not and for nothing not... too there. How was your scale? Like, how were you looking and measuring weight loss and progress and stuff like that before? Oh, like in, in my previous, in my Weight Watchers days, <laughs> I was on the scale like three or four times a day. Like, all right, I peed. What do I weigh now? Like to the point that like, at one point my husband had, he took the scale and put it in our attic. Cause I, my, my, I wouldn't go up there first of all, but also Aww. my short Italian legs, like I can't, you know, I'm not trying he literally to literally hit it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so now it's like when I, you know, I have every 12 weeks, I have an appointment with the functional doctor and he has the fancy ass scale and where it like does like your body mass and like, I'm like, all right, well, every 12 weeks, we'll check in with that and we'll see how things are going. But other than that, I'm not on yeah. and off and, you know, That's I huge. drink water. It is. It really is for paying somebody every week to like, look at me down their nose and being like, you gained point two to go from that to not like judging so it stupid with other things. Oh yeah, Absolutely. You know, and it's like, it, it's, it's also the amount of time and, and cortisol regularity. You would think if someone is weighing themselves three to five times a day, that mm-hmm. build up and excitement and then crash and let down mm-hmm. three to five times a day, that has an effect on hormones. Every time right. we go, and we look at that pile of clothes that doesn't fit us anymore, that we just won't donate so we can make room for clothes that look good on us now or clothes mm-hmm. that you know like changing our clothes we got I know I'm not saying like you know spend it you know, obviously within means but th- my point is to not keep the reminder in front of you like all of this stuff all of it increases cortisol all of it or causes us more inflammation because the more we're stressing the more inflamed we are systemically you know so I love it. And I've, I've seen you continue to just make things easier for yourself little by little, which is great coming from the place that you came from where it was like right. militant, you know? Well, I think, I think too, is that the other thing that helps with that is that you're such a great example of like, okay, these things like through the baby steps and everything, like these things that you've done before don't serve you anymore. So get rid of them. Like you showing like cleaning out your closet the other day. I was like, I'm going to clean. And I start like, I have two bags like that need to go down in the car and we'll probably sit in my car for another two weeks. But then I, (laughs) but it's like, okay, these don't serve me anymore. Why am I keeping them? Right. Mm -hmm. Something that helps me with the hoarding side of things too, is 
there and now okay i'm again i'm not saying i'm gonna go spend money on this every day whatever but i remind myself i say there's more there's more pants i can buy you know mm -hmm. like if i'm upset like like these jeans used to be my favorite and i want to get back to them and fit them like chick those are three those are 10 year old pants why you want to wear them you can buy other pants there's other pants to buy you yeah. know just reminding myself like there's other things to buy there's you don't need this don't don't be upset like don't need it someone else can wear this now meanwhile mm -hmm. i'm just looking at it depressed because you know why can't i wear that who cares find clothes that look good now you see you know you right. save room for them so oh, i'm so happy helen you said this is going straight to my heart this is me with my size two jeans next to my size 10 yeah and all it is is a constant like a bad day waiting to happen you know it's just something that makes you feel defeated and really you're doing just as well as you were doing yesterday let's say when you weren't looking at that those pile of pants or the 0.2 pounds that you feel bad about gaining you know things like that it, they're just day ruiners you know yep so i guess this is like a two for question for our last one here but how do you make this fun still and then overall what's your biggest tip Okay. Um, the fun still is your, one of the first baby steps, the having fun with food. Um, I have folders and folders of Instagram posts of like, Oh, this looks really good. And it's gonna, um, which I, I need to be better about looking, um, looking through, um, but just not like making stuff fun. I don't know how to, like, I can't, yeah. I don't have the, I'm indulgent. Yeah. So, yeah. or just like not limiting myself. Like I don't need to have a salad for lunch. Like I've been making like grown up lunchables. Like, yeah. Oh my God. That's a big one. How many chicken and salad people I got to tell yeah. them, like, you ever want like a grilled cheese or something? Right. You know, like, you're right. you ever going to move for pizza. You know, like there's ways around this, you know, it doesn't have to be either or like chicken or kale or right you know, all, all whatever um, the hell you want, you know? And then the, I guess the biggest tip, um, is like, have, have your plan of mediocrity and you don't have to be like superwoman or super person. Mm -hmm. Um, and then have your staples that make yes. it so much easier, like having everything like that. I know that I can grab, like, staples staples and systems have like saved me the yeah. fact that I know for me so that my stress level is down I know like when I'm cleaning up from dinner I'm putting together lunches for the next day because I know that we need to be out the door at seven and I don't mm -hmm. need to be fucking around with that oh sorry um, <laughs> um and the same thing with like putting my clothes together for the next day and just being like listen, I don't need to be like ironing a shirt at 655 when I'm trying to wrangle a, a teenager to get out the door, you know, yep. running down so, that mental to-do list. Like, why aren't yep. I doing this when I'm doing this when I'm doing this? Just gets yep. so overwhelming. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And for those of you who are like, what's the staple stuff? Um, I love that, that, so if we've always thought that putting the work in and the effort is the exercise, the, you know, saying no to foods, the restriction, all that stuff. That's bullshit. That's not the work. The surprising hard work in CCA comes in finding our staples. So if you have, you look at your baby steps, if you notice that something in your day-to-day -day breaks that baby step and it happens pretty frequently, it's that one item, whether it's bread, whether it's pasta, whether it's not not turning off your TV at a certain time, like whatever the, the hell it may be. Like you gotta find your staples, your go-tos, your items that are going to help you accomplish that task. So the work is in finding the things that don't work, finding the products you probably don't like. You know, you might, how many times I bought something, I've been so excited to try it because the reviews like were even that were pretty good and I get it and I'm like, this sucks. You know, you were all excited. It's not, they're not usually cheap, you know, things like that, but you do that enough. And that is work preparing yourself to deal with this, to find your staples. That is effort, right? You do this enough, you find your favorites. And then once you find your favorites, it's a no brainer. So it feels like, oh my God, this is taking me so long to do. But if you focus on replacing your staples, your must haves, you know, 
Um, I said that bed thing before that doesn't fit at all. It's not even food disregard that one. But if you find your food staples, you know, you love cookies. All right, let's, and your baby step is uh, to, you know, not have anything over a few grams of sugar per serving, right? Let's find you a cookie. Um, so figuring out what that thing is rather than saying, no, I just can't have it. That is realistic. That's what leads to longevity, but it's hard. You know, you usually gotta, you gotta find the one that you can prepare easily enough. The one that is in stock at your store. It's taken me a long time to get to this point of knowing the staples and a lot of really shitty, shitty products that got thrown out or donated or tried to, you know, zhuzh into something else that didn't work out. But, you know, that's the work. It's finding your staples. It's harder things to work at, I'd say. So I loved hearing from you. Um, I love this lesson tonight. I hope that you guys found it helpful. Um, if I had it my way, this, this shindig would be four hours long and I would have explained everything in depth, but I wanted to give you my core, core things to focus on for being able to maintain your adrenals from the emotional side. If anyone has any questions, if you need any clarity on what Zooms you should watch, you know, whatever the case may be, shoot us a text. You're not a burden. We love being in touch. Okay. And if you need details on the, the CCA planner, let me know and I'll send you the link. Okay. So good night, everyone.